You want to be zipped up in a bag. Yes. Apply to be an intern at Glock and Fleck and LLC. <laughs> All right, and welcome everybody back to the EM Over Easy podcast. I am here with Drew, Tanner, and John, and we have got the Glaucom Fleckens, Will and Kristen here with us to talk about humor and medicine. So, gents, how are we doing? Awesome. Happy to be here. We're doing great. Yeah, I, I'm not, uh, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one. Real say quick, Drew comes like Drew- off a shift and he's just already angry. I've been fangirling nervous for this for like the last four hours after getting <laughs> off a night shift in the morning. So Man. it's been quite the quite the day for me. You worked last night? Oh, oh yeah. What's it like it, to work when the sun's not up? Oh, it's fantastic. There's, yeah, there's like vampires, it. there's bats. It's amazing. Hmm. That's more than you get I, to have. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. So. yeah when was the last time you took a night call? Well, so I take three weeks of call per year oh. and I cover like a few different community hospitals. And I, I got to say, you get a much different perspective of emergency physicians when you're in residency versus when you're out in the community. Because like when you're an ophthalmology resident, you get called about everything, every <laughs> single thing. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Yep. Which is fine because we need to see as many patients as possible. But then you have the mindset of when you go out to private practice in the community, that it, that's what it's going to be like. Yeah. And and it's totally not that, right? Community emergency physician, you take care of so much eye stuff. It's impressive. I mean, you still can't operate a slit lamp, but yeah. it doesn't matter. You still are able to you know, do a pretty good job of everything. So Right. And the tono pen is definitely not working. I don't care what time of day it is. And ours oh, is yeah. actually broken at the hospital well, right now. My issue with tono pens is I trained on one tono pen and got really good at that tono pen. Yeah. And now there's a new tono pen at my new shop. And I'm just like... I'm going to have to go do an in-service <laughs> on this. I One tone of pen for eight years, and you want me to magically change after one five-minute video? Get no. off my lawn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> but it is interesting you bring up the idea of being, I feel like, angsty. We got a brand new ophthalmologist fresh out of fellowship. His first call shift, I called him, and I was like, hey, got this lady with, I'm concerned about acute angle glaucoma. She's got a pressure of 87. And he's just like, did you really do an exam? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, buddy, I did an exam. But he was like so used to dealing with residents that I called uh-huh. him very courteously. I had done an exam and he came in. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm just really used to like getting really crappy consults. And I was like, it's okay, buddy. It's all good. Just community. It hospital. really is. It's so yeah. funny. It's totally different. Yeah, very, very so different. much nicer than me. And I just would be like, nah, man, I didn't. But guess what? You're coming in anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I really think you need to personally see this case. Yeah, right. probably tonight. Exactly. Well, what you got to understand is Friday at about four o'clock in the afternoon, ophthalmology, we, we actually have to turn in our medical license. <laughs> then we can pick it back up again on Monday morning. That's, it's got to get washed and dried. Legal, it's a legal and, issue. So. Yeah. yeah. I know, though, I know what you can say if you really need to get an ophthalmologist into the Ooh, ER. Oh, There's a secret what phrase. Is it? I got to know. Their vision has changed. Vision loss has changed. No, no you got it wrong. It's painful vision loss. Painful vision loss. Painful vision loss. Sorry, my bad. That's when our like little spidey sense starts Ew. tingling because when that Change happens, things. like dramatic, painful vision loss, that's usually like bad stuff when that happens. Yeah. Like yeah. angle closure nope. glaucoma, for instance. Yeah. No that's joke. Painful. The last time I consulted ophthalmology in the ER, it was in a critical access hospital. And I called him and I like was telling the story. He's like, Don't worry about it. I'll just come in real quick. And I was like, Okay. Wasn't expecting that, but, and he showed up in cargo shorts and a Hawaiian polo. 
and just really sunglasses. rubbing it in. Yeah. Like, he, he obviously came from a barbecue because it was like summertime <laughs> and he was like, yeah, let's just take a quick look here. And I mean, he was so yeah. excited because it was a kind of a funny case, but yeah. anyways, yeah, I was, was going to say he was just ready to get away from whoever he was at that barbecue <laughs> yeah. with. Not a good excuse. <laughs> Pager went off. Got to go. Oh, yeah. sorry. Sorry. Stat. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's that. His neighborhood yeah. Karen from the HOA was, did you know that your lawn's grass is three-eighths of an inch too long? And he's exactly. like, hospital. The hospital, sorry. Yeah. Nice. Do you have those exact kind of encounters in the community, Will, when you try to get out of stuff? Yeah, it, it does help sometimes being on call, but I'm not going to say too much with my wife sitting right next to me <laughs> about getting out of things. So, <laughs> because I was saying, like, when was the last time I was in the hospital? I came in hours. Yeah, it's remarkable just how much you can push off till the next day in ophthalmology land. So, I mean, there's really not that many like true emergencies that take his call. You just you put a hot compress on it, give him some drops, and I'll see him in the morning. Yeah, Mm -hmm. artificial tears, hot compresses. You know, I gotta do. Have him call the office. We'll take care of him. Exactly. Yeah. There's even certain things like flashes and floaters, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's something that I think a lot of people are taught even honestly, ophthalmology residents, like, oh, this is like an emergency. Like they could have a retinal detachment. Well, if you look at the literature, the thought process is like within 48 hours, really, you can put off a retinal detachment, certainly until the morning. And a lot of times that's easier because then you're operating with people that actually know what they're doing and have done a lot of eye cases. And it's not in the middle of the night type of situation. Uh, And so even things like flashes and floaters, you know, that can be evaluated. Standard of care is like within 24 hours. I feel like it's important, though, from the patient perspective, to make it clear that it is safe to do that and nothing is going to change if we do it now versus we do it in the morning. Because if your retina is detaching, you're pretty freaked out, I bet. Well, that's why we look at the evidence that that shows that it's okay to wait a little bit. But I'm just saying it's important to communicate that to the patient. Yeah, Yeah, you mean... Actually, I gotta talk be fair. Them before sending yeah, them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is actually yeah. my entire life in emergency medicine. So you're <laughs> taught in school and in residency, all these things are emergencies, and they will be whisked off to the operating room right. the second you diagnose it. No, ninety percent <laughs> of things that I'm like, oh, this is bad. You're going to talk to the specialist. So like, yeah, you know, I, I can probably see that tomorrow, or uh-huh. if you just want to send it to my office. Oh, they're dissecting. Yeah, you know what? It's non-operative. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, there's nothing we're going to do anyway. You're like, what do okay. any of you actually do? Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Am I the only one working right now? That extended then, one centimeter too deep. I don't go to that deep. Call somebody else. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, there's in ophthalmology, there's, I could count on probably count on one hand, the number of things that are like true, what I call pants patients. That means like, you tell me this is happening. I am putting on my pants and I'm coming in like that moment. And like endophthalmitis, that's like the true emergency of emergencies. If there's an infection inside the eye, like we're trying to get in. Angle closure glaucoma, that's another one. There's a handful of things. Extraocular muscle entrapment, that that actually is like, we got to get them in the operating room. You're like, that sounds horrible. All of these things probably sound horrible to you. Sound horrible. Yeah. You mentioned pants emergencies, which I've heard you say more than one time. And every time you say that, I laugh. It's, it's a funny thing to think about. Okay, this is actually something I have to put my pants on for. Number one, because I imagine you not ever wearing pants. I was going to um, say, it tells you a lot about his usual state, doesn't it? Yeah, but also because it adds that refreshing humor into what otherwise, to to be fair, when we're talking about ophthalmologic emergencies, is a pretty dry, boring, boring subject to talk about. <laughs> so 
one of the things you do amazing in medicine is you insert humor into medicine to make it accessible, but also educational. And mm-hmm. that's really what we wanted to talk about is the place for laughter and humor in medicine and how that intersection actually makes us probably better at what we do. Honestly, it's something I've just kind of stumbled into for the most part, because as Kristen can attest, I've always enjoyed humor and comedy. And when we first met, I was still doing some stand-up comedy. So that's how I got started in in comedy. And just I grew up in Houston and was going around to comedy clubs, doing open mics and things, and then went on to college and med school. And college is where we met. And so I was late nights doing open mics and sometimes bombing and sometimes not bombing. But I was getting that experience with with humor and comedy. And then whenever I had testicular cancer, you know, the first time, that's when I started to embrace like medical comedy because I was making jokes about my experience as a patient. And it's a coping mechanism, yeah, really. Exactly. And you guys can attest once you're in medicine, it's like sometimes that's all you're you're like thinking about like all the time. Like that's all you're doing. You're working a long hour, especially in training and med school. And so naturally that was going to be a become a part of my comedy was just all the medical stuff. And so it was a very natural progression to incorporate the two medicine and comedy. And uh, over the years, things like the pandemic, that was, was when I started doing TikToks and videos. And then I started hearing from other people because my platform was growing and they're like, oh man, this really, it was nice to be able to laugh about this because everyone's lives were awful at that point. And so I've learned a lot. And just by doing it and hearing from other people. You talked about it as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually really hits home for me. And it's, it's funny because there's, so there's that meme of the scrubs episode where Dr. Cox is like talking to the residents and he like says basically something along the line. He's like looking at another doctor who's giving really bad news. The patient died and Dr. Cox is like, Hey, he's giving the worst news you can possibly give. Guess what he's going to do afterwards? He's going to go back to work. Do you think anyone else in that room is going back to work today? No. And he basically is trying to say, you know, we distance ourselves and we, we, we have, we make jokes, not necessarily for fun, but to get by. And it's like, this thing comes up every four or five months because somebody has that kind of a day and you can just tell like they post it for whatever reason, because it just and yeah. that truly is like one of those things that it always hits home for me is in this acute care setting that we do some really, really emotionally rough stuff. Um, right. Yeah. And, and, and humor gets us through. And I can tell in doing what I do, I make jokes about all these different specialties and I get a sense for which specialties are like, love the sense of humor, love the jokes. They can laugh at themselves and their, their jobs. And then there are some specialties that have more trouble, like laughing at themselves. And I get it. I can tell with emergency medicine because of the situations you guys find yourself in and the, 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 how tough it's been, especially over the last few years, but you really embrace the humor quite well, which as a comedian, I really appreciate because you're a good audience. So <laughs> yeah. For sure. We definitely kind of embrace that. If you can laugh at it, you can live with it. The philosophy. I had a really different introduction actually into humor and medicine. It was actually how I started. Regular listeners know I was a paramedic before going to medical school. And one of the very first calls I ran as an observation EMT, I went with this really experienced paramedic and we went into this person's house and 
I'm all kind of scared and freaked out carrying the jump bag and doing this stuff, right? Just like any new learner at any level, whether you're a resident or a brand new attending or whatever you are. And I'll never forget when the, the paramedic went in, I was expecting to be like, hello, ma'am, I'm firefighter or so-and-so, and I'm here today to take care of you. And he went in and he went, golly damn, why'd you lay down on the floor? And immediately <laughs> like the patient relaxed, I relaxed, the husband kind of chuckled. Well, that's not a good place. You should you should have aimed for the bed. Well, let's see what's wrong with you. And like instantly the whole scenario changed, right? It was like, this is a human thing. People fall down sometimes. Don't be embarrassed. We're here to take care of you. We're going to laugh a little. We're going to get through this. And so I think sometimes we get, and you'll occasionally see, particularly in social media, kind of that spin goes around like dark humor or, you know, they're using humor inappropriately, but what I really appreciate is that that point of view that there are times where humor is not the tool to use, right? But a lot of time, it's a pretty adaptable tool. Yes. And if you just use it appropriately in liberal doses, I think you can really make a positive impact. So I had a really great experience with it, really being kind of how to open up and talk to patients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we both have had lots of interactions with the healthcare system. And the the humor I use with patients is is very different than what you see on social media, you know, and, and part of it's just being able to read the patient a little bit. Like you got to know if this person's able to accept humor in the situation they're in and also realizing that in general, you don't know this person, right? So you have to also be a little bit more careful when you're bringing humor into the patient physician relationship, because this person, you don't know what their values are. You don't know what their life experiences are. And so you got to play it safe. So I, I use a lot of like dad jokes and stuff. So it's all, yeah, that, yeah, right. That's the kind of stuff that anybody will just kind of give a little quick chuckle to, and then, then you can just kind of move on and, and totally forget it. So it's totally forgettable humor. Yeah. But even outside of the patient care situation, it just is helpful in helping people process hard things that they're going through. And that is like you were saying that is kind of the definition of what you all do. It's you see hard things all day and humor is a way to make it seem like it's not so heavy. And it's not to take away from the gravity of the situation for the patient or their families, but it's just a way to put it in a little box and be able to carry it and make it lighter for yourself. It's a way to, as you always say, to kind of take back control or take control of the narrative of a situation in a way that you can have a little bit of that control back. So do you ever go back and watch your content? Do you ever go back and look like, oh, that hit well, that didn't hit well? I do sometimes. Yeah. A lot of it's like, I'll randomly read a comment that someone, you know, wrote on a video I posted like a year ago. And so that brings <laughs> it back into my mind. Or if I'm putting a talk together and I was like, oh, I think I have something on this topic. I'll go back and watch the videos. And then sometimes I just, I keep watching. And I don't, I, I have my own personal favorite videos as well. So it's sometimes it's fun to go back and see, oh, what did my hair look like back then? <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot for that, but I do want you at some point to do maybe a podcast or, or a video that highlights your top 10 or whatever, oh, like gosh. favorite, that would be the highlight reel of Glockham yeah. fucking hospital would be. <laughs> mm. I, I'll tell you one of my favorites, emergency medicine related videos was the emergency physician. He d doesn't know whether to admit the patient to 
the medicine floor or the ICU. <laughs> and so he, he gets, well, he's getting pushed back on both of them. Right. So he, he tells both of them to come in and admit the patient. And then he just leaves while they argue with each other. So yeah, that that's pretty accurate. There, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that works so well. Yeah. yeah. Fundamentally a teaching life. technique. Yeah. Get yeah. them talking to each other and not to you, right? And then yeah. you get them both on the phone, and then you're just like, "Okay, here you guys go." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when yeah. I stop here, stop talking. I'll I'll find out what the result is. <laughs> I get a yeah. lot of ideas like that from comments, though, and that's why on social media I follow people from all different specialties in medicine because I'll get feedback and or people give me ideas. Like I think on that video there was a comment that someone that I ended up making a video about a year later about how they do the same thing in trauma base sometimes like if there's a lot of traumas and then an anesthesiologist shows up and they start like doing the airway and then all of a sudden the anesthesiologist looks around and is like nobody there but them and all of a sudden <laughs> they own the patient now yeah. and it's like where's the emergency physician yeah. Yeah. so i ended up making a video about that situation recently like oh that's awesome so uh, how do you come up with these because i feel like yeah. not only are they funny but there's a lot of thought into them where there's a ton of truth. And I think that's what at least from the EM crowd hits. Yeah, Whenever yeah. I watch one about emergency medicine, I'm laughing five to 10 seconds in because you just hit the truth of the situation in such a funny way. But how do you come up with them? The different ways, I'd say the ideas I'll come up with um, usually by things I see on social media or okay. just talking with friends and colleagues. I've pretty much exhausted all of the ideas from my own personal medical education and training. And now the further I get into ophthalmology, the more research I have to do to like figure <laughs> out gotten everything. I, yeah. It's just like, I'm not in that world. You know, ophthalmology to me at all. No, I'm really not. <laughs> ophthalmology is so far removed from the rest of medicine that I have to, so I'm getting on Reddit threads from like 10, 15 years ago, like pet peeves of you know, <laughs> nephrology fellowship. It's just like random things. There's no shortage of complaining across oh, social yeah, media. Right. So yeah. there's, right. it's there. a rich minefield. Exactly. But you know, you know how physicians are. If you put any kind of information in there, even if it's not even that pertinent to like the joke or the video, if there's something that's like technically wrong uh, with the medicine part of it, that's all I'm going to hear about. All the comments are going to be yeah. like, oh no, actually that's not <laughs> what you would prescribe for right. a for a whatever. And so that's when I have to do the most research is like, okay, I'm doing a topic on this. I'm doing a video on this topic. I need to create a narrative around it. And so I have to get the medicine right in order for mm -hmm. not to be distracting to physicians who are crazy about that stuff. So you're almost like an emergency medicine doc in that sense that you have to kind of know your medicine for all specialties mm -hmm. for it's at all least just a little bit. I, I skim the very yeah. surface. I'm so, like so one step ahead of the viewer, <laughs> the patient or whatever. That's right. In general, I don't know what I'm talking about. So don't think otherwise, because it's, it's very much surface level knowledge. When you started all of this, did you start with like plots and just like funny things that you thought were interesting? Or did you actually start with characters in mind? No, the characters came later. Mostly it's just about situations. Or I'll come up with one like core joke and then build a, the dialogue around it. And then the, the characters, I don't know how they came up. I don't know. I just. It was a byproduct of the situation, yeah. right? You have these different roles in the hospital that 
come together to create the situation. And then you, they're really born out of the personalities, yeah. right? So emergency medicine doctors being these adrenaline junkies. And then I had one video where the guy was leaving and he was putting on a bike helmet. And so I thought, okay, let me just like make that the, there you, you go. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make that, make that be what he's wearing all the time, regardless of whether or not he's <laughs> leaving or coming, he's just always wearing a bike helmet and it made me laugh. And I was like, okay, well, let's just go with it and see what happens. Kristen, and- does he test this stuff out on you at like the dinner table or something and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Usually after he's already gone to the trouble of filming something, he'll show it to me. <laughs> and But I don't know. Very few times has it been like, uh, no, you can't use that video. And when it is, it's usually because there was some angle he didn't think about that might be offensive or something like that. But I have heard all the jokes at this point, and I just can predict his jokes now. If I know a little bit of it, I can kind of tell where it's going. And so if he does show me one and it genuinely makes me laugh more than just a polite chuckle, you know, then he knows that's going to be a really good one because at this point I've heard them all. He's a tough critic, which is what I need. I I don't need people just say, that's not funny. (laughs) So I need some truthful feedback. And so, and she's also the pun master too. She loves puns. And so I'm not a great, I'm not a big pun guy. So if I can't think of any good, well, I've come up with a a few and I always get you to chuckle a little bit when they're good. Yeah. So, Will, who's the Timothy in your life that you must have fallen in love with at one point? Because all of the the, the, Timothy, the extras, Timothy. they're Timothy yeah. derives. Timothy, 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 like they're all these had, Timothy's people. Yeah, so. I've had I've had Jimothy. We've had Timothy was one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bimothy. Bimothy was another. Bimothy yeah. made a made an appearance. So Jimothy <laughs> was the first one. That's just based on the office joke. So there's yeah. a joke yeah. in the office of Jimothy, and so yeah. I, I thought that name was funny. And then. From there, I've used the different variations as the straight man kind of to to these these videos where there's like a corporate overlord, like mm-hmm. uh, evil corporation type presence. And then yeah. you have the Jimothy character who's like the virtuous person that's trying to oh, talk like sense that. into this terrible person who works for United Healthcare or or Elsevier or you know yeah. whoever. I, I like to layer jokes like that. So it's like a little joke within a joke, right? Oh, his, his name's Bimothy, which is a take on Jimothy who works for the so it's all a part of this like building this world, which I think keeps people coming back for more content. Yeah. And they feel like they're in on it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're watching something and I don't explain any of this, you just kind of know because you've been watching these videos. It's like, oh, he's making that joke for the for the truthers, the people who've been there, who have been watching these videos for a while. So I do like to, for lack of a better way to describe it, reward the the yeah. core audience, the people have been who are really into this stuff. So there's a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, a little Easter yeah. eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, in, Easter eggs yeah. are the best. So is, that, is this the Glaucom verse? Is that what you call it? Oh, when yeah. You think about the universe. <laughs> the the, the Glaucom Flecken Cinematic Universe. The GC. Oh, there it is. It's so so nice. Like Glaucom <laughs> yeah. Flecken General Hospital, and they yeah. have all the. So yeah, and I have all these storylines going, and I'll just every so often I'll just add a little nugget of backstory to the different characters and. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I, I, you know, it's all up in my head. I don't have it written down. It just kind of 
Like, oh, that's uh, that was my yeah. giving me my next question is, do you have like a big board? <laughs> You're like <laughs> tracing like lines of connections through. You know what? Beautiful mind. I would love, <laughs> I would love someone to like create a Wikipedia for all this stuff because it right. probably helped me too. Because people right, that, remind me of things. We'll get our blog team on it. Yeah, I say yeah. the first EM over easy listener who wants to do that, we will pay you to do yeah. that. In <laughs> Tan- Tanner will they, pay you. They said they will pay you. I will Tan- pay Tanner you anything. Would pay them. <laughs> I will give you a shout out on social media. Yeah, I bet I know some people that are industrious <laughs> that would jump right on that. And I have to say too that I really appreciate is. It's not always easy to do, but you have a keen spot for that humor that exists in, shall we say, corporate organized medicine. It's always nice to hear jo- jokes that that speak truth to power, as it were, but in a way that everyone can understand it. So my mom is a touch, well, fortunately, the way laws of time work, she's she's much older than I am, but I showed her one of the clips that, that you had done and she... Um, had just been in a battle for funding for, as it were, life-sustaining care. And she thought it was, she thought it was really good. And so I think that reach and just recognizing sometimes how ridiculous some of the things are and and speaking that out loud, it's got to be cathartic, I would think. It is. And part of it's just what we've been through with the health insurance. I'm talking specifically about health insurance. I've made a lot of videos Talking about United Healthcare and naming them in the videos as well. And uh, have we gotten sued yet? I hope not. No. Not that I know of. <laughs> no, no cease and desist. Nothing. Right. I, I'm always worried about that, but I don't think it's happened yet. <laughs> That's why it gives you some protection. Are, yeah, so covered. Yeah, it's covered good. Yeah. Exactly. It's all parody. But those are all that was born out of just frustration that we were dealing with as a family regarding my cardiac arrest and whenever we started getting all the medical bills and we had a bunch of surprise medical bills as well that we had to deal with. That was like nine month process fighting those. And just the the frustration that came out of that experience uh, initially is what started driving that kind of content. So talking about the health insurance companies and then realized just how much anger there is out there. One thing you notice once you're on the patient end is that it's it's inhumane what they're doing and, and how it makes you feel and, and how it affects your life and your family and their life. And a lot of these tactics are just, I, I know that's an extreme word, but I think it's an accurate word. It's just, it's not at all designed in the patient's best interest. And in fact, many times it's harmful for them. Yeah. And so every time I would put a video out there about health insurance, I would like, whether it's prior authorizations or denials or whatever it is, you know, the, the thousands of comments that would come in, it's just unbelievable. Everybody talking about their own experiences. And it just taught me that oh, this is a, a sore spot in society. And it's unbelievable to me, honestly, that you can have these corporations that have such a terrible approval rating, like everybody hates them, yet they have the most power in our healthcare system and they continue to have be gain more power and more wealth regardless of public opinion. Yeah, getting it on the backs of the most vulnerable right. people, uh-huh. people when they're yeah. the sickest. It just, it's very frustrating. And so hearing the feedback from people about their own experiences really has helped reinforce all of these ideas for me and motivate me to keep making the videos. I think that's been just from a personal standpoint, one of the most 
impactful ways to watch how humor can come into this realm of healthcare and medicine and make big impacts, right? Like me and my wife, my wife is not medical. She is a huge fan. She's been texting me throughout the entire thing being like, how are they? Are they awesome? I mean, we used to tell her we're doing fine. (laughs) I I have, I've said, I literally sent the text and said, I love them. They're so nice. But We used to sit down and binge, like it was like a Netflix thing. We would wait for a little while, build up some episodes, and then we would sit down on the couch after the kids are down and we would binge a fucking general hospital and just like laugh and have all this fun. And then it was really funny though, because as you know, after your cardiac arrest and that story, like I remember sitting down literally, like both of us were tearing up as we're listening to Lady Glockenflecken and her story and how she handled had to go through it and kind of that secondary injury scenario of that. And we're tearing up because we're living vicariously kind of through you because we've been watching you for forever. And then all of a sudden you start having these bigger picture, the health insurance and the academic journals and stuff. And my wife who has no, like she's a speech therapist, but she's not really into the big healthcare world. Mm -hmm. She's like, wow, I can't believe that's a thing. Like, really? Are you serious? And to me, that is so powerful that humor is able to bring people in and expose them to these bigger picture ideas that are actually really, really unbelievable. Yeah, It's a powerful tool for advocacy. Yeah, it is. Because people, first of all, they're just much more likely to watch something if it's funny, right? Like if it was just me talking to a camera about, pharmacy benefit managers like totally dry not making jokes like who the hell Somehow that's still funny in my head though like, <laughs> yeah. I, you should put some videos out there no jokes just yeah. you reading because i'm yeah. picturing you medicine i can't picture gonna... you doing it not not right? humorously which i guess is great i don't think i could do that yeah. i mean it's <laughs> it sounds awful and and so but by wrapping it up into this humor this comedy package, it's almost like I'm tricking people into learning about pharmacy benefit managers, which is a topic. Some of these topics were complicated even for me to try to figure out. I can't tell you how long I had to research. I went out and talked to some like community pharmacists, like had them like set appointments, like, Hey, can we meet? Can I come in and talk with you? I'm trying to understand pharmacy benefit managers and how they impact your job and patient care and everything. And I'm a physician, like I'm in it. And so like, I had to try to learn about this stuff myself well enough that I could make a video that was accessible to non-medical people. And I like doing those, but they're also like the hardest videos for me to do because it's just a whole different level when you got to try to like make it accessible to a wider audience. But it's so important because so many of these tactics that take advantage of people are a hundred percent reliant on people being in the dark about it. Yeah. They don't want people to understand these things. They don't want to make them public. They want to make them as complicated as possible. So you'll just give up and pay the bill. Right. Yep. And as soon as you start educating the public about it, there's a lot of outrage and a lot of demand for change. So humor is a really accessible way to push that needle forward. Right. And yeah, there's always a slant to it, right? I mean, that satire that there's always, there's a message there. It's not just information. I have a message that I'm trying to portray by doing all this education. And I just have to kind of trust that I think it's the right message. And so I do get pushed back because of that, because I do have an agenda when I'm like making these videos about United Healthcare. 
Apparently, yeah. Isn't that amazing? I don't like. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could really, you could, you could, you know, catch it was on tough to, that. to get that from the videos. Exactly. Yeah. And for, I mean, for the health insurance stuff, I, I honestly don't get a whole lot of pushback because yeah. it's like the lowest hanging fruit really, yeah. aside from neurosurgeons. But it's so some of the other things though, I do get a little bit more pushback on, like when I talk about private equity, because that uh, there's a little bit touchy more, subject. it's a little bit more touchy. And so, but in the end, uh, when I'm, Put out a piece of content i just have to like i do what i think is right and mm. make it as funny as possible and then see what the response is and at least it gets people talking if nothing else i think was it a year or two ago that you put out like a thread on twitter about like medical humor and comedy mm-hmm. and i think probably my biggest takeaway from all of that was like you don't punch down and, yeah there's and- certain rules yeah and and I just felt like it was really, really refreshing to kind of see like your kind of code of conduct almost of this is why everyone really enjoys the content is because it is thoughtful ahead of time. And it sounds like also very well edited and mm-hmm. uh, put through a filter with the lady of the house, making yes. sure that you don't <laughs> miss something. No, it's really important. Yeah, I'm doing all the writing and recording myself but i certainly get a lot of input and i absolutely kristen's the first person i go to just to get a an idea how it's going to be received and especially with her non-medical background i get that perspective as well because it's hard for us sometimes to like think outside of our own experience well and let's be honest you're it's a dude heavy universe (laughs) so sometimes you need a female filter (laughs) very much so exactly (laughs) what are you talking about there's yeah I don't see it really. <laughs> right. We're just a four dude podcast. But yeah. I do have some of my own personal rules. Punching down is the biggest one. And I think that's probably the most important one in order to not get canceled or just make this all go away because medicine is so is full of hierarchies, right? There's everyone has some kind of power relative to each other, whether or not that's correct or the way it should be. It's the way it is. There's all these power dynamics. So it's very easy to make fun of the wrong person or say the wrong thing for the sake of humor and then have it just dramatically backfire on you. So I stay away from anything involving patients. You know, I don't have any patient characters. You probably noticed that. And I think I do that purposefully because there's no benefit to like why all you're going to do is undermine the public's trust in what we do. And if you're making fun of patients and that's the last thing any of us need. And that's the biggest one. I even really, I mean, it even gets tricky whenever you're talking about like nurses and, and other people in the hospital and even med students. And so it's just, sometimes it feels like I'm trying to walk a fine line and because I am, I want to make sure that I, even if I'm making fun of a particular person or field, I don't want them to feel taken advantage of. To kind of laugh with you, yeah, <laughs> not feel laughed at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't want to disparage their purpose of what they're doing in life, right? And so, it's it is exactly that. It's more laughing, having them laugh with me. heard and yeah. validated, and not being laughed at. Exactly. Yeah. So, I've been able to walk that line so far. So I'll just keep doing it for as long as I can. Knock on wood. <laughs> Fair enough. So when you talk about, you said as long as you can, 
I imagine there was no master plan when you started this. It was, I'm going to start making videos. And, I, and, I'm, and that's, that's not like an there's insult. a master plan here. Because... <laughs> I say that from four gentlemen that did not have a master plan when we started our show. And so yeah. it happens as it happens. What, like what, what's the next step for both of you? Like in terms of what's the oh, future for the Glock and Fleckens? Oh man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we never, we didn't think six months ago, we didn't think we'd be doing a podcast. And so I have a few little storylines in my head for like the skits part of things like that. So my immediate plan is just to continue doing this, you know, building up this universe because I think it's a lot of fun and people really like it. I've never been a real futuristic oriented person. Yeah, that's my domain. Yeah. So I, I don't think like several months down the road, I'm like always like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, what am I going to film? Let me write something. He really is an emergency medicine doc at heart. I feel yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. My God. (laughs) It's scary. So we have, we have things we'd like to do. Like we, yeah. I mean, listening to him, we have goals. It sounds like we don't know what we're doing. We have, I have actually quit my day job and I'm doing this full time now. And I do a lot of the kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. Like we're running a business and doing the marketing and, and co-hosting the podcast and doing some writing. My goal someday is I would like to write a book or something in that ballpark. And then we're trying to just make the content more accessible to people across more platforms so that if you're not on YouTube, you still have a chance to see it. Some other projects that are kicking around in our heads and we'll see where where those end up. Been doing a lot of speaking lately. And and so we've talked about doing some more like live events. Either separately or together, or you know, I don't know. There's going on Some a tour, things as well. Pro- I'm still practicing medicine though, so there's only yeah. so many hours in the day, <laughs> even as an ophthalmologist. So that's the tricky part at this point is just balancing everything. So Tanner brought up the idea that I think all of us want to know if you could pick your best skit, the one skit that you think like best one I've ever done. What would it be? From both of you, I, I'd like yeah, to hear yeah. both perspectives. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think. One of the ones for me that had the most impact, there's a few that really jump out. One, the critical care ophthalmologist is one of my yes. own personal favorites. You made uh, that one up, the fictitious character that is the critical care ophthalmologist. Yep, the, so the, the, the premise was that it was during COVID, they, needed, they needed more help <laughs> in the ICU. And so all they could find was an ophthalmologist to go up there and help. And it's everybody freaking out. And they're like, you know, the heart has, you know, there are two lungs, right? <laughs> anyway, it's just, I just, I love. Oh yeah. That was keep that the one. heart full of blood and the lung full of air. Yeah. Keep the heart <laughs> full of blood, keep the lung full of air. Exactly. And then the surgeon swear jar was another personal favorite of mine. I don't know. I, sometimes I look back at my older content, like, man, I don't think I'm that creative anymore. Like, <laughs> I feel like. I'm like almost jealous of my own content sometimes. Like, how did I come up with that? <laughs> you have. Uh, what do you What do you think? Uh, well, you had so many come to mind, and I'm having the opposite problem. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything. How about the one you were in? <laughs> Vaginas, etc. Yeah, that was a good one. It's like I'm not touching that one. <laughs> no, I'm impartial to the one where our youngest daughter is in it and she gets a splinter and you you give her a band-aid and then send her a bill and she can't it's like nine hundred dollars and she can't pay it you tell her to get a job she can't get a job because she's five so you send her to collections and i like that one and honestly the one that i still remember that made me laugh was when you zipped jonathan into a bag oh yeah so you zipped your own head 
into a bag and filmed yourself. Like he films them all all by himself because his arms are <laughs> stupidly long. And so he can. And so he's got a phone out here and he's laying on the floor with a, a bag unzipped and he's got his head in the bag and then he zips the bag over his head all the while filming. Like that was just so ridiculous that that one, that one got me. John, see, the ophthalmologist had to take Jonathan on a chat. Yeah, exactly. Packing him in a him in bag, your own self in a bag and filmed it. <laughs> it was also the one time, not so much the video, but just my experience behind the scenes where he was right outside the store here. This is, my home office and I'm in here just working like a normal responsible adult and come out for lunch and he's sitting right on the other side of the door there's a desk and he's got full clown makeup on <laughs> and fake tears running down his face because he's dressed as Pagliacci yeah Pagliacci checking his clown. student loan balance that's right and I just walked out to that scene and just was like I'm not even I don't even want to know <laughs> yeah just gonna go have my sandwich yeah, I've got a closet full of props now. So <laughs> I had to make a full yeah, I had to like go to the container store and like build a closet to hold all of his props. It's ridiculous. Oh man. Always well, looking for new emergency medicine content though. So if you got some ideas, send them to me. We'll send them your way. We can I, definitely I, do that. I will say there's so many great episodes, but at the EM specific one that that rings most true to me that I show basically any student interested in, in surgery that rotates through our emergency department is the making of the trauma surgeon. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause it's just so accurate. <laughs> how do I start every, job. every phone call? You chart here, hey, you hey, work how, here. How's it, how's it going? I've, <laughs> I've made relations. What do you mean? We established rapport. <laughs> <laughs> you won't do me this favor. <laughs> what? Well, it's just so I, spot on. Yeah. We don't we don't need to take up much more of you guys' time. We really, really appreciate both of you coming on here. I do have one final question. How long do you plan out your episodes to grow your hair out for the neurologist <laughs> versus just kind of go with the flow? It's more a, an act of laziness of not getting a haircut. That's all. And so it's I just like right now, the person who does my hair is now on maternity leave, and so I'm like, Shows. I'm way. It's it's bad. Like it's <laughs> it's really. So I need to do a neurology video soon. We appreciate both of you hopping on for this conversation and letting us get a little bit behind the scenes of what happens with the Glaucomfleckens. We look forward to everything that's about to come out. If you did not know over the course of this episode, we are huge fans. Huge, huge fans of the show, and again, really appreciate your time and sticking around yeah. to talk with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Keep on laughing. Well, congrats on making it all the way to the end of that EM Over Easy episode. Don't forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about this great organization, head on over to asoep.org today. Mm -hmm.